Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. What a wonderful reminder from scripture, even just thinking about the fact that God made the stars also should remind us of his greatness. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, for being here to worship the Lord. I'll be honest with you guys, uh, it's a joy for me personally to be upright and to be able to preach today, amen? And so uh, those who knew or didn't know, I was under the weather for a little bit of time, but uh, praise the Lord, I, it seems like it's running around. Uh, a lot of people not feeling well and whatnot, so that's why we gotta do our best to be on our knees praying for one another, and then also be smart, be smart. And, uh, and uh, I know the Lord will continue to bless um, each and every one of us. As most of you know, by the way, I, I would ask before we get into it that uh, you just remember uh, a lot of our staff members are under the weather. And certainly uh, pray for Larry and Jackie and Travis and Carl and uh, Nikita and I. Where's Nikita? Praise the Lord. There he is. And, uh, and so uh, we, we're just thankful for our staff, thankful for the team. Thank you to all those who serve in upward basketball and cheer. Amen? Give them a round of applause. It's a lot that goes on to put that on. And I'll be honest with you, uh, very, very, very thankful for the team that came in yesterday to uh, help clean and, and get the facilities back. And uh, uh, they even actually came earlier and wiped down everything in the offices, cleaned the offices and whatnot to, to help protect us as a staff. And that's such a blessing uh, to each and every one of us. But as you know, uh, over the past four weeks, we've been talking about, if you've caught us, this is the first time you're visiting with you, we've been talking about stewardship, biblical stewardship. We've been looking at it from the biblical perspective that everything that we have, everything, that means that the air that we breathe, uh, the clothes that we wear, everything, everything that we have, we've been saying that it belongs to and has come from God. And so we, we've spent the last four weeks looking at different aspects of those blessings that God has given us. We've talked about uh, the time that God gives us. We've talked about the truth of God's Word. And then a couple of weeks ago when we had the Warrington Pregnancy Center here, we were able to talk about the, the gift, the blessing of life that God gives. And I would encourage you, uh, listen, bring back those baby bottles. We're doing the baby bottle drive. We need those back by next Sunday. There's receptacles there at the information table. And then last week, uh, Travis actually pointed us and shared with us this idea of our stewardship of our resources and the idea of living uh, uh, generously and genuinely, right, before God. And so the Bible tells us in Colossians 1.16 that all things in heaven and earth, right, things that are visible and even things that are invisible, the Bible says that they were created by him and for him. What an incredible reminder. All things were created by him and for him. Therefore, since he created it, we can just easily deduce that our Lord has the absolute right of ownership, right? 
He created it, therefore it's his. He has the absolute right of ownership, and he has the right to expect that we will be good managers, that we will uh, manage well, if you please, any sacred trust that he has blessed us with. Therefore, we've been challenging each and every one of us throughout this series to be resolved or strongly determined. That's what it means. The word resolved, when you look it up, it means to be strongly determined. Not just, not just to be thinking about, yeah, I think I'll do this. No, to be resolved is, is this, in, this, this, this idea that I am strongly determined to give God the glory. I'm strongly determined to do this or to do that. And so that's what we've been talking about. And the reality is we want to do it for his honor and for his glory. Amen. In fact, if you look all through Scripture, you see people all through Scripture, and we don't have time to chronicle them all, but you find one right after another who resolved, who were resolved. You think about Noah. He was resolved to build an ark on dry land. Joseph was resolved to trust God, even despite his circumstances many times in life. Ruth was resolved to remain with her mother-in-law. I'm resolved to remain with my mother-in-law as well. Many of you know, and uh, I feel like I'm a little bit like Ruth, all right? And she resolved to stay with her mother-in-law. Daniel was resolved to be a man of integrity. Men, oh, that we would be Daniels today. Did you hear me, guys? That we would be men of integrity. That we would stand up for what's right in a world that doesn't want much to do with the things that are right. Paul was resolved to, pe- to preach Jesus Christ and his kingdom in the midst of persecution. You remember, God has a sense of humor. Paul persecuted believers, and God called Paul into his mighty service, and after he has that Damascus road chat with the Lord, God says, listen, I'm going to show him the many things that he must suffer for my name's sake. And Paul preached the gospel despite it all. And God's word highlights the fact that Joshua, Joshua of old, he was also resolved or strongly determined, if you please, to serve the Lord. So with that being said, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. This is near the end of Joshua's life in Joshua chapter 24. If you don't have your Bible, there should be one there in front of you. Grab it. I want you to see that. In my Bible, you'll find, uh, in my Bible, Joshua 24 lands on page 175. So hopefully that'll get you close uh, no matter what Bible you pick up. But as you get to the passage, when you get to Joshua 24, what you find right away in verse number 1 and following is that Joshua, he's gathering, you notice here, he's gathering all the tribes of Israel together uh, to share this pointed message from the Lord. In other words, the Lord says, hey, sometimes I, I try to put myself in in Scripture like as if I were there, right? And, And I can only imagine the Lord just be like this. Joshua, get them all together. I need to talk to the people. And so Joshua, in verse number one, he gathers all the people. And it's like, okay, Lord, what kind of message do you want me to share now? 
And so he gathers all the people, and, and through Joshua, the Lord reminds the people. He says, hey, listen, remember, you, you folks need to remember, I'm the one that chose you. I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that delivered you. I'm the one that brought you up out of Egypt, out of bondage. And by the way, I'm also the one that gave you the victory against the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Ananites and, and every ite you can think of. He said, I'm the one that gave you the victory. I imagine Josh was like, okay, Lord, anything else? Lord says, yeah, you need to remind them that if they have any blessings, those blessings actually came from me. Can we just stop and be honest with ourselves for a second? Any blessing that you have or I have came from the Lord. You didn't get it by yourself. If the Lord has prospered you financially, you didn't get it by yourself. If the Lord has given you an intellectual mind that you're the smartest person on the block, you didn't get it by yourself. You say, well, I studied hard in school. Guess what? God made you. He created you in his image. And so if you have a, a special gift or you have a natural ability, it doesn't matter what it is, the Lord gave it to you. And so Joshua, he's relaying this pointed message from the Lord. And I don't know if we would want to share the message, but God says, hey, tell them all these things came from me. And, but I want you to drop down to verse number 14. And we're going to see the response here after Joshua shares all this. And beginning in verse number 14, here's what the Bible says. Now, therefore, Joshua says, fear the Lord. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Watch, he continues, put away the gods, little g. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve. You know, I always say, a little sidebar, I always say we make choices and choices make us. Joshua says, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Watch, he goes on. He says, whether the gods which your father served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. But watch, the people answered and said, oh, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, little g. For the Lord, our God, capital G, he it is that brought us up uh, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. Well, yeah, rightly so. Joshua just reminded you of this. What brought it to your memory? Joshua just told you all this. He, and, he go, and they go on, they say, from the house of bondage, and which did those great things in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 18 and the Lord drove out from before all of us the people, even the Amorites, which dwell in the land. Watch the key word here. Therefore, we will, serve, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord. Now, let me just take a second. He's not saying you're not able to serve the Lord. He's saying in this moment, he's saying, you're not going to be able to serve the Lord with lip service. If you say you're going to serve the Lord, watch it. He's saying then serve the Lord. Don't just make this flippant statement like, oh, we're going to serve the Lord because whatever comes out of the mouth better be executed through our actions and our feet. So this is what he's saying. Go back to the verse again. He says, you cannot serve the Lord 
For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive you your transgressions nor your sin. Listen, we have a God who is full of mercy and full of grace and he forgives our transgressions and sins to the uttermost. But what Joshua is saying is if you exercise lip service and you don't do what you say you're going to do, don't be surprised when God brings holy heck down on you. That's the Greg translation. Watch what he says. He says, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, little g, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, you are witnesses against yourself. You said it. He said, you said it, you make the commitment, your witness is against yourself. Notice what he says here. He says, he says that you have chosen to serve the Lord, to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Verse 23, now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods. Evidently, these strange gods were still roaming about. The same strange gods who their father served on the other side of the flood. The same strange gods who they were serving in Egypt when God brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of bondage, delivered them and rescued them. I might get excited today. And he says, watch. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. They're still there. And incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, notice it, it says, the Lord our God, we will serve. And his voice, will we obey? You got it. Somebody's reading it out loud back to me. Watch what he says. He says here, he says, the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. And his voice, and his voice, we will obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it highlights to us this morning, that it reminds us of your desire, of your determination that your people will fear you and serve you. And so God, for the next few moments of time, I pray that you will take away any distractions in this place and that you will allow us to focus in on what you have to say to your church today. And Lord, as always, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and my redeemer. Lord, I thank you for your victories that you give us each and every day. Lord, I pray now that you'll be with us. Work as you see fit and we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you look back as we just read even as I prayed, God's desire was for all of his people, all of his people to be resolved to fear him and to serve him, to worship him. And, and by the way, this is consistent in the New Testament. In fact, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29, nothing has changed because the Bible teaches us in that verse that God's determination for us as his children, you see it on the screen, is that we conform more to the image of his dear son. In other words, God wants you and me, if we are children of his, if we name the name of Jesus, if Jesus, if Jesus 
Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He wants us to be more like Jesus every day. That means tomorrow, you say, man, I'm struggling. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to encourage each and every one of you today. Will you make a commitment right where you sit? Will you say, Lord, help me to be 1% more like Jesus tomorrow? I'm not asking a lot. Would you just say, God, God, would you give me the ability to be 1% more like your son tomorrow? Do you know that in a short 70 days, you'll be 100% better? Right? Don't don't ask me how that works. You say, how could I be 100% better in 70 days? Well, that's a financial issue. That's called that amortization scale. It works. I like that kind of math. 70 days, I'll be 100% better. My wife says, I don't know about that. She said, it might take me longer. (laughs) You see, if we're going to be more like Jesus, then we're going to have to get in his word. We're going to have to understand what being like Jesus is like. You know, in Jesus' earthly ministry, the thing that we see over and over is that Jesus was a servant. In fact, he was being tempted. You remember this passage in Matthew chapter 4. He's being tempted by the devil. And the devil leaves him out in the wilderness and he tempts him. And in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 10, here's what Jesus, he, he responds to the devil's temptation. And here's what he says. He said, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. Listen, if we're serving someone other than the Lord our God, we're in trouble. Jesus told Satan that. 13 verses later, by the way, in that same chapter, 13 verses later, the Bible tells us that Jesus, that he went out all about Galilee and watch what he was doing. He was teaching in their synagogues and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he was healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Literally, what we find is right after he deals with the devil, he starts to go out and he is committed, he is surrendered, he is submitted to his Father's will to do exactly what God wanted him to do. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, Jesus goes on to declare, he says, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. In other words, he said, I was sent here to serve. Guess what? He wants you and I to serve as well. He says, I was sent here to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You remember right before Jesus is betrayed, he's in the upper room and he's eating the Passover meal with his disciples. And you remember, Jesus takes his cloak off and he, and he gets the, the towel. And what does he start doing? He starts washing his disciples' feet. And in John chapter 13, he's setting this example of serving by washing their feet. And here's what he says in verse 14 and following. He says, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you, watch this, an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verse 16, verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, if you knew these things, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Like we were in Sunday school class, that word happy means supremely blessed. Notice Jesus says, if you know these things, supremely blessed are you if you actually do them. If you know that you ought to serve one another, if you know that you should follow my example, he says, and you want to be blessed, 
you want to be happy, then you ought to be doing it. I heard like one amen. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says that it's reasonable. It's reasonable, is what he says, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The idea of serving the Lord is a reasonable thing. But notice back in Joshua 24, look at verse 14. In verse 14 of our passage, Joshua says here, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. He's talking, he's making a reference all the way back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5 when the Bible says that God looked out and the wickedness of men was great all over the world, all over the earth at that time. The wickedness of men was great. And so Joshua is making a reference all the way back there. But notice he also makes a reference to their time in Egypt. He says, y'all were wicked in Egypt. He says here, he says, now therefore serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And he reiterates the point again, serve ye the Lord. In other words, Joshua says, hey, Verse, the first part of that verse, he says, now therefore. In other words, in light of all that God has done, in light of who he is, in light of everything that you know about God, as even Chad mentioned, in light of the fact that you know that God even created the stars also. As if that was an afterthought. Hey, by the way, those twinkly little stars that you sing about, twinkle, twinkle, little star, God created those as well. Joshua says, guess what? You need to fear the Lord and serve the Lord. He's creator. He's provider and sustainer. He is our savior. Why would we not serve him? The psalmist says in Psalm 33 and verse number eight, let all the earth fear or reverence the Lord. Let all inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time we just stood in awe of God? You know, there's many times that I'll walk outside this building and I look to the hills. Reminds me from whence cometh my help. I look to the hills, but you know why? I look out here and if you ever want to see a beautiful sunset, come up here in the evening and sit up here on this property and look out this way towards Warrington, right? And you'll see some of the most majestic and beautiful sunsets. And the same thing, you get on this side, you'll see the beautiful sunrise come up each and every day. You want to know why? Because our God is faithful. The sun comes up and then he sets it each and every day with beautiful glory and splendor. Oh, why would we not serve him? He's, Joshua says, serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. You know that word sincerity means to serve him with some integrity. Have a little bit of integrity when you serve the Lord, but it also says to serve him also in truth. In other words, our service for the Lord, this is what Joshua is saying. He says, have a little integrity when you serve the Lord. And by the way, let your service for the Lord be trustworthy. Be faithful in your service for the Lord. Serve him in the good times. Serve him in the bad times. You know, serve him in the morning. Serve him in the evening. When the sun goes down, when the sun comes up, just keep serving Jesus. Amen? About some of you are thinking about it. You're debating. You're having a debate. And you say, why, why are you saying I'm having a debate? Because I had it all week. 
Really? Because there are times when it's hard to serve the Lord. Anybody? Anybody been there, done that? Wrote a couple of chapters in a novel? An autobiography? Sometimes it's difficult to serve the Lord when you're not feeling good. When things aren't going the way you hoped they would go. But Joshua says, serve him. Serve him in sincerity. Be, be men and women of integrity. Be men and women who, who actually serve without blemish, who serve and they're serving. Be, be men and women whose service can be trusted, whose service is faithful to the Lord. He says, notice he also says in verse 14, he says, put away the gods, little g, out of your life. He says, listen, get rid of those gods and idols out of your lives. And then he reiterates the message at the end of verse 14, and he just simply says, serve the Lord. In reference to serving the Lord, uh, years ago I was reading in the biblical illustrator, and the biblical illustrator says this in reference to serving the Lord. It says, to serve God, to obey Him, to love Him, to submit heart and life to His control is only an appropriate and adequate acknowledgement of claims felt to be just. God's character, His mercy, His grace in the gospel, His promises of pardon, the gift of eternal life through His Son create, watch this, an obligation which if be disregarded makes our attitude towards God not only sinful, but, watch it, unreasonable. In other words, the biblical illustrator is saying it's unreasonable for those who are benefactors of every spiritual blessing. If you're a believer, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, right? So it would be unreasonable as recipients of God's blessings not to want to serve him. I put in my notes that if Jesus is our Lord, watch the big if, if Jesus is our Lord, then we will be resolved or strongly determined to serve him. And this message, by the way, this message is not about some natural ability or some spiritual or supernatural gift that God has given you. But you say, okay, I'm going to be resolved to serve the Lord. How, does, how is that fleshed out in my life? How do, I, how do I take this thought and apply it to my life? So let me give you a few thoughts and then we wrap up. Here it is. I think that we need to be resolved. Number one, we need to be resolved to serve the Lord first and foremost by obeying him. I didn't get many uh, excited looks back at me. Y'all are asking me to start the invitation now. You're like, oh, now you're meddling. No, listen. If we're going to be resolved to serve the Lord, it starts by walking in obedience to what thus saith the Lord. In fact, if you have your Bible, I'm going to have you look at a few different places. Turn to John chapter 8. And we got to go rapid fire on this. I'll only really do this a few times, but I want you to see these verses. And they're not long passages, but I want you to see them. We're going to be resolved to obey him. In John chapter 8, let's flip over together. In John chapter 8, when you get there, we're looking at Jesus, right, who is our supreme example of this idea of serving. And in John chapter 8, in verse number 28, notice the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. In other words, when you raise me up on the cross, 
you're going to know who I am. He says, you're going to know that I am he and that I can do, that I do nothing of myself, but as my father has taught me, I speak these things. Look at verse 29. He goes on in verse 29 and he says, and he that sent me is with me, right? The father hath not left me alone. Isn't that good news? God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, he has not left me alone. He says, for I do always. That's hard right there. He said, I do always those things that please him. You and I have an opportunity to serve the Lord by doing those things that please him. What pleases the Lord? Walking in obedience. He says, hey, listen, you're going to show the world, right? He says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another and and on and on and this idea of serving one another. And he said, guess what? The world's going to know that you're my children. The world's going to know that you belong to me if they see this being lived out, fleshed out in your very lives. And so we see this example from Jesus. You think about when Jesus was talking to the woman of the well in John chapter 4. You remember his disciples had gone into town to get some vittles. And they come back and they bring some food and they're wanting Jesus to eat. And they're like, oh, master, you need to eat. You need to eat. And on and on. Notice what he says in John 4, 34. He says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Oh, listen, the father had given Jesus a job to do. And Jesus submitted himself to do it. As believers, our sincere and trustworthy obedience to the Lord is going to actually be an indication of whether or not our relationship with him is genuine. James said, faith without works is dead. He wasn't saying you're saved by your works, but he said, faith without works, without service, it's dead. It means nothing. In fact, I would dare say that if there are no works, if there's no exercising of your faith, then the reality is when you go to invite somebody to come to worship, whether it be Christmas time or Easter time or any time, you go to invite somebody to come with you to worship Jesus, they're going to be like, I didn't even realize you were a believer. They're going to look at your life and they're going to say, why are you inviting me to church? I didn't know you went to church. See, faith without works, faith without exercise, faith without obedience is not real faith. That's what what James was saying. Join us on Wednesday night. You'll learn more. We're in the book of James now. Romans chapter 6. Flip over to Romans chapter 6 also. Romans chapter 6, page 731. Romans chapter 6. Sonic, supersonic speed. Look here, verse 16. Paul writing to the church at Rome in verse 16, he says, Know you not that to whom ye yield or submit yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. He goes on in verse 17 and 18 by saying, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but now you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Yes, yes, yes. Serving the Lord begins by walking in obedience. It's not a popular thought. In fact, I hope you wrote it down to remind you because as soon as you walk out of here, that's the one point you'll probably want to forget because we're all covered with this stuff called flesh. (laughs) You're like, oh man, 
I like the nice, nice, soft points. But when he was talking about serving the Lord begins with obedience, I don't know about that one. Guess what? That's where the rubber meets the road. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. I have an illustration. Matthew chapter 8, familiar passage. Jesus is talking to the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. And the centurion, he actually had come to Jesus asking Jesus to heal his servant. That's the kind of context that we find in this passage. And so Jesus is having this discourse with the centurion and the centurion's whole purpose, sole purpose, was to come and ask Jesus. He believed that Jesus had the ability to heal his servant. And so he comes to Jesus. And notice with me, beginning in verse 7. Yes, verse 7. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. So he responds to the man's request. He says, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord... I am not worthy that those should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now, that's a great testimony that the centurion, not a Jewish man, but a Gentile, he says, listen, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my home. I, I, I'm, I'm nowhere near worthy enough for you to even step foot in my home. If you'll just say the word, I believe, I have strong faith that you will be able to heal him right here. That's huge, but that's not what I want you to point out. Keep reading. He says, for, he says, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Verse number nine, for I am a man under authority. He says, he says, I know a little something about authority in my life, right? He says, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go. And he goes. And to another, I tell him to come. And he comes. And to my servant, I tell him to do this. And he doeth it. Do you see it? Do you see the point that I'm trying to make? Because right here, if we're not paying attention, we miss it. See, we get carried away, and, and rightly so, we get, we get mesmerized by the fact that this man had enough faith that he said, Jesus, if you just speak the word, I know my servant will be healed. But what I want to point out in the vernacular, in the, in the context of what we're talking about today, is that this centurion, he says, I know all about authority. He says, I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I tell my servant to do this, and my servant does it. You still don't get it, do you? The centurion's servants were obedient. And I dare say we are too. We go in the workplace, and for the most part, there may be some obstinance out here, I get it. But for the most part, if you have a job, you obey your boss. Anybody? By the way, let's just take a small poll here. I won't put it out on the news media or anything. How many have had bosses who have asked you to do things that you didn't really like to do? But you did it anyway. Hold on. But you did it anyway. I'm not saying it was illegal or sinful, but you just thought, are you kidding me? But you obeyed, right? We obey, we obey bosses in the workplace. For the most part, students, I don't know what's going on in the, in the schools anymore, but for the most part, I'm going to be nice and say that for the most part, students probably obey their teachers. 
I don't know what the percentage is these days. <laughs> the teachers are all looking at me. I can tell you after service if you'd like to know. All I know is that when I went to school, I always obeyed my teachers. <laughs> Lord, you know I'm playing. <laughs> we obey our bosses in the workplace. Sometimes we obey our teachers in the classroom. Athletes, we obey our coaches on the field or on the court, don't we? Coach says, run the bleachers. You think it's dumb, but you run those bleachers. Coach says, run back and forth across the gym floor. You think they're crazy. But we obey our coaches, and seemingly we, watch this, in 2024, I look around and it seems like we obey everything else under the sun as well. We obey what physicians and caregivers tell us to do most of the time, and yet we struggle to obey We struggle to obey the one who gave us the very breath of life. The one who created the stars also. And I put in my notes, if mere men and women expect, if mere men and women expect, and to be honest, receive obedience based solely on their fallible words, none of us are infallible. If they receive, expect and receive obedience based on their fallible words, how much more should our eternal and righteous God receive obedience from us? See, if you're going to serve the Lord, it begins by obeying Him. We should be resolved to do all that He commands, and we should be resolved not to do those things to which He expressly prohibits in our lives. A.W. Tozer said, How utterly terrible is the current idea that Christians can serve God at their own convenience. How utterly terrible is it that we can serve God at our own convenience? I said many years ago, I heard someone say this, and I, I kind of used it. There, here, stay with me. There's a God that we want many times in our life. It, we could be going through a valley, a trial, or whatever. There's a God that we want many times in our life, and then there's a God who is. And the problem is those two are not the same. See, we want the God who gives us what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. But guess what? That's not how God works. A.W. Tozer says how utterly, how utterly terrible it is. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 reminds us that we are to be holy in every aspect of our conduct. Titus 2, 12 teaches us that you and I are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We're to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. And can I tell you, that takes work every day. There has to be a determination, a strong determination to do that. Because guess what? I can get up on the wrong side of the bed sometimes. Anybody else? You say, well, I always get up on the left side of the bed because my wife sleeps on the right. You're not picking up what I'm throwing down. Sometimes you get up in a bad attitude. Sometimes you say, not today. James, James says in James 4, 17, that to him to know it to do good and to do it not, to him it is sin. 
to serve the Lord, we ought to obey him. Secondly, uh, if we're going to be resolved to serve the Lord, let's do it by promoting him. And you, you can turn with me if you'd like, uh, Psalm 103. What a great passage in Psalm 103. I want you to see this. The psalmist here gives us something to think about here. In Psalm 103, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He says, don't forget all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. All I'm suggesting from this passage in Psalm 103, and I'd encourage you to mark it down and read it regularly, all I'm suggesting from this passage is what we find in verse number 2 where he says there again, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not all his benefits. May God help us never to forget all the benefits we have in Jesus. Our Lord's honor and glory is at stake and how you and I live says a lot about the God we say we love. How we live. See, we ought to obey him, but we also ought to promote. In other words, we ought to make much of Jesus in everything we do in private or in public. We ought to promote him to those we know, those we love, and those that we come into contact with. And I got news for you. Whether you realize it or not, people are going to be able to tell by looking at your life. They're going to be able to tell who your master is by what you say, where you go, what you do, and how you respond. What you say, where you go, what you do, and how you respond. People are going to be able to tell who our master is. You see, serving the Lord includes pointing people to the Lord. And we do this by making use of every opportunity we can to honor him, by praising and thanking him, by revealing our reliance on him. But we also promote the Lord by sharing our faith in him with other people. How can they know, the Bible says, except some man or woman tell them? The Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirty, the fruit of of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. As we promote the fame of our God throughout the world, our attitude should be just like Jesus's was, right? Lord, not, thy, not my will, but thy will be done. That's how we ought to live. Oh, we ought to put his word to use every day and celebrate. We ought to celebrate every day with others how we worship the Lord individually. You know, you ought to worship the Lord on Monday. You ever thought about that? That Monday's a day to worship the Lord. You can worship the Lord by yourself all the time, but listen, you can worship the Lord inside of your home with your family on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. On Wednesday, you can worship the Lord right here with your church family. On Sunday, you ought to be here worshiping the Lord with your church family. And I get it. I get it, man. We're in the middle of winter, but I got good news for you. That little groundhog did not see his shadow. And so, yes, I'm wearing a very springy shirt because the groundhog told me we're going to have an early spring. You say, are you trusting the groundhog? Absolutely not. But we do trust a lot of things that we have no business trusting, don't we? We ought to promote Jesus. 
So let's be resolved by, to serve the Lord by obeying him and promoting him. Number three, let's be resolved to serve the Lord by serving other people, one another. Galatians 5, 13, the Bible says, For brethren, you have been called, watch it, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. In referring to the story of the Good Samaritan, I remember I quoted this many years ago. Martin Luther King Jr., he said this in his, his remarks about the Good Samaritan. He said, the first question which the preach uh, which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan, he actually reversed the question by asking, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? We need to serve others. And by serving one another, we actually serve the Lord. You say, well, how can I serve other people? Well, write it down. Here it is. You can serve other people by treating others like you want to be treated. Uh-oh. Isn't that crazy? We want people to treat us right all the time, and yet sometimes we treat people horrible. But Jesus had an answer for that too. He knew that we were covered with flesh. He knew that sometimes we would have a propensity to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And so he says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 44, he said, love your enemies. What? I don't like that person. She said, I don't care if you like them or not. I want you to love them. You don't have to like them. I'm asking you to love them. That's a hard thought right there. You say, well, I, I don't get along with that person. He didn't say anything about not getting along with that person. I, I don't even get along with my siblings, you may say. He didn't say nothing about getting along with your siblings. Well, I didn't have a choice. I was born into the same family with her or him or whatever. Guess what? Get over it and love them. Love your enemies, he says. Watch, he goes on. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Treat them like you want to be treated. Secondly, uh, watch how you speak to other people. Be careful how you speak. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, and if you've been through my marriage counseling or premarital counseling session, you know, and I've got two uh, newlyweds, two, two lovebirds out here. They know this well because I hit this hard, don't I? Uh, Christian and Danielle, no. Listen, let no corruption proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying. That means the build up, that it may Build up, edify, minister grace unto the hearers. Listen, we got to get rid of this, this filthy talk that comes out of our mouth sometimes. Right. Treat other people like you want to be treated. and Talk to other people how you want to be talked to. Psalm 50, verse number 19 indicates that a wicked person gives his or her mouth to evil and that their tongue actually creates deceit. There's an old African proverb that says this. It says, the axe forgets, but the cut log does not. Anybody ever felt that before? You know, when we were kids, they said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. That's a bunch of junk. Who in here hasn't been hurt by somebody else's words? I'll be honest with you. And this ain't no plea or ploy for, for affection. Or, but listen, when you serve in ministry, people talk about you all the time. It just comes with the territory. I was talking with the guy who's candidating for a pastorate position in another state last night, late into the night. And I was trying to encourage him, and he was discouraged. And I said, listen, you just need to serve the Lord. 
I said, don't, don't get your eyes fixed on circumstances. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and him alone, and he'll get you through it. Listen, we got to be careful of these things. If we're going to serve the Lord by serving others, we can never allow our tongues to become the so-called axe that cuts people down. So what do we do? You say, man, I struggle with my words. I have a problem uh, speaking kind to other people. How do I get a hold of my tongue? Well, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 141, in verse 3 and 4, to set a watch. He says, ask the Lord, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. That's a weird word, but dainties. Maybe you like it. I'm not a real big fan of it, but it literally means wicked pleasures. Let me not eat of their wicked pleasures by the way they talk or the way they act. So we treat other people the way we want to be treated. We watch how we speak to them. Here's another way, by taking more time to listen to other people. You know, sometimes people just want somebody they could talk to. To pour themselves out, to share their, their heart with one another. It was author David Augsburger who said, An open ear is the only believable sign of an open heart. An open ear is the only believable sign of an open heart. We need to also help others as God enables us to help others. The Bible says in 1 John 3, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and sees his brother have need, and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, he says, How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. There it is again, in truth. Let it be trustworthy. Let it be faithful. That's how we ought to serve one another. And then another way we can serve others is by bearing burdens with others. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and verse 2, Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This includes being patient with one another, being committed and compassionate and extending grace and mercy to others. Listen, you know God's mercies are new every day. Get up tomorrow and show somebody else the same mercy that God extends to you. Because right. I'm looking around in this room and I love each and every one of you for being here in the Lord's house and on and on. But there's no one in this room that's perfect. We're all in need of mercy and grace every day. If we just, ex if we just extend that to other people, God will take care of a lot of the stuff we deal with. Whether you love him or hate him, I like what Francis Chan said in this regard. He said, most of us use, I'm waiting for God to reveal his calling on my life as a means of avoiding action. And now, Pastor, I'm just waiting on a word from the Lord. Uh, you're doing what? I'm just asking you to serve uh, uh, in the nursery. I'm waiting on a sign for the Lord. Lord, do you hear that plea? This is what he says. He says, most of us are using this idea of I'm waiting for God to reveal his calling in my life as a means of avoiding action. But did you hear God calling you to sit in front of the TV yesterday? 
Or did you hear him calling you to go on your last vacation or exercise this morning? Probably not, but you still did it. The point isn't that vacations or exercise are wrong, but that we many times are quick to rationalize our entertainment and personal priorities, yet we are slow to commit ourselves to serving God and one another. He's right. He's right. It's like, oh. Pastor, I appreciate that message today. I'm going to consider it as I go my separate way and have lunch. Nope. Nope. Uh, Lord didn't call me to. No, yes, he did. If he called you, he called you into his service. And then lastly, let's close it up. We need to be resolved not only by uh, obeying the Lord and promoting the Lord and serving others, We need to be resolved to serve the Lord by worshiping him. And I put a little caveat out to the next side of my notes. We need to be resolved by worshiping him regularly. Hold on, let me say it again. Regularly. I want to be nice. But once every blue moon is not regularly. 1 Chronicles 16, 29, the Bible says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Travis was talking about that idea of giving generously and genuinely last year. And the Bible goes on, it says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 95, 6, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. I asked myself this question when I read that. When was the last time we knelt down before God? In worship. I'm talking about the physical act of kneeling down, getting down and say, brother, you don't know these knees. Yes, I do. I've had surgeries on both of my knees. I've had a surgery on this foot. I'm all jacked up too. But when was the last time we just got down and we said, God, I'm a sinner. God, like, like we were reading in Sunday school, like that publican. All he did was he beat his chest. Remember the one guy, he's praying and he's, he's so flowing with his words and he's eloquent and he's pointing out this guy. He says, thank God that I'm not like him. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't do this. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't do this. And then the publican, he stands over there and he, 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 he just says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. When was the last time we got down on our knees in worship and adoration to God? The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, In verse 24 and 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, there's others doing it, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, God wants to hear our passionate prayers. He wants to hear our heartfelt praise. I've said it many times that when the prayers and the praises go up, the power comes down. He didn't get that, did he? When the prayers and the praises go up, his power comes down. Are you in need of God's power today? Maybe it's time we all get back on our knees. You say, sickness is running rampant. How about we get on our knees and ask God to deal with it? God, I I, I need you to do Take care of this. This stuff is running rampant. Four years ago, Kansas City was facing San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Four years ago, COVID showed up. Four years ago, it's mysteriously showing up again. 
And four years later, I mean four years later, it's showing up again in droves. And guess what? Four years later, we're going to have another election. Maybe God's saying, hey, it's time for a retest. Maybe he's saying, are you going to trust me? Or are you going to trust everything else under the sun? Are you going to serve me? Are you going to fear me? Because I'm still on my throne. And he says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. He wants to see, I believe, our reliance on his mercy and grace. And I believe that he will be honored as you and I give attention to the reading, to the hearing, the heeding, the studying of his word, and the application of his word into our lives. Folks, we cannot rightfully say that we are serving the Lord if we consistently abandon our opportunities to worship him privately and publicly. Dad... You want to know what's going on in your family? Man, you lead your family in some prayer time. Get them together. You say, man, I, that's weird. I, I, I've never done that. Start doing it today. Start doing it today. Say, guess what? We're just going to pray as a family. Not just over, over the vittles that you're going to eat here in a minute, but we're going to pray as a family tonight. Listen, encourage your children. Raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's an opportunity. Moms, it's a great opportunity to... Teach your children the word of God and grandchildren. Someone has asked this question, and i got to close it up. It says, if we're deficient or willfully neglecting the opportunity to worship our Lord, are we not then more concerned with the worship of ourselves, someone else, or some other idol than we are worshiping God? Joshua said, in Joshua 24 and verse 14, you remember after he shared the whole thing with everybody, he says, now therefore, he says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods. He says, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. You remember this is what he says. And then when you get to verse 15, he says, listen, if it seems evil, <laughs> He says, if it seems evil to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Make a choice. Are you going to serve the Lord or are you going to serve something else? And then you know what he said at the end of the verse? He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, if you know Joshua chapter 24, you know that it's not long before he makes this, goes into this covenant with the people again about serving the Lord. And then there are very few short verses later, Joshua dies. It was important, sir, it was important to Joshua when he was an old man. Just as it was important as a young man and a middle-aged man. It's not time to throw in the towel just because you hit 60, 70, 80 or beyond. We ought to serve the Lord. And I pray that you'll do that. Are you strongly determined to do it? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you don't, can I tell you this? With great simplicity, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He placed your sin upon himself because he loved you. If you don't have a relationship with him, I know there's others and myself I would love to show you from God's word how that you can know that deep abiding love that Jesus has for you and that you could enter into the greatest relationship of all, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord.
Father, we love you. We thank you for the time that we've had in your word. And God, uh, I pray, God, that we would be men and women and young people, God, that we would be committed, we would be resolved or strongly determined to serve you. Lord, this world vies for our attention. We turn this way, it wants us to do this. We turn that way, it wants us to do that, and on and on. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the, the courage, the courage each and every day to make the right choice, to serve you, to walk in obedience, to promote you, to share you with other people, to, to serve others, and Lord, to take time on a regular basis for worship, not only in private, but as a body of believers here. Lord, I pray that you, first of all, you see the needs of the people who are gathered here, those who are watching online. And so, Lord, if, if physical healing is what they need, Lord, I pray that you'll bring about physical healing. Lord, if there's somebody struggling financially, Lord, I pray that you'll give them wisdom to endure and to be able to come through that difficulty. Lord, maybe there's, maybe there's other decisions that need to be made, other, other things and stresses that the people are facing. Lord, I know that you are all-knowing, but I also know that you are all-powerful. And so, Lord, I pray that your power will be evident in each and every life. And God, that you will work as we endeavor to fear you, to reverence you, and to serve you in the days ahead. Lord, we love you and we praise you. As we open up the altar, may people come with hearts full of gratitude to praise your name, to seek your face, and even those that may need to trust you as Lord and Savior, may they come. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen.